0: This is Warrior Podcast, changing the world by introducing warriors to the warrior god. I'm your host, Elizabeth Andrade, here with Connor Shanahan. Busyness. It's something that I think affects everybody at some point in their life, but especially for a warrior. And also, for some reason, at this time of the year, it seems like busyness impacts our lives even more than usual why are we so busy?
1: That's kind of the million dollar question right now. Why are we so busy? I bet if you if you could answer that question concisely and perfectly, you'd sell a lot of books, my friend. That's true. <laughs> but you're right. Like this this time of year, this November, December holiday season, end of the year, reflecting on the year that we just got through and looking forward to the year ahead. Like it just feels like an extra busy time, especially like like this year during 2020, during the pandemic, it almost feels like at the beginning of like the initial shutdown in March, right when everyone was told to stay inside, quarantine, shut it all down, it seemed like then it was like, okay, man, we are we're resting now. Like we're being forced to rest. Yeah. And so many of us had a problem with that. Right? <laughs> yeah, that's true. So many of us struggled so hard with being forced to remain indoors, with being forced to rest because we're just not used to it. We're not used to it. So hopefully we can take a stab as to how to answer this question. But I don't know. I mean, we just live in a busy culture. We are busy people. And one of the evidence is all of us struggling with this idea of quarantining and staying home and resting.
0: I mean, it was definitely it was definitely a shock. And I think for me, it was very hard to be um, at first just in a state of constant rest. This idea of working. I mean, It is in itself a good thing, isn't it? I mean, God didn't create us to just do nothing and just sit around on the earth.
1: Correct. A working man is a happy man or the other way around. Maybe a happy man is a working man. Um, Because we do see that to your point. We do see that God created mankind. God created people to work. That in the garden, in the creation narrative of the scriptures in Genesis, God created Adam and Eve. And God charged them to work even before sin entered the world. So even before brokenness and curses and people finding themselves living in a fractured cosmos, when they when human beings were living in paradise with God, they were still meant to work. And so absolutely work is a good and great thing, honestly, but so is rest.
0: Yeah, but we, we can take it too far to the point of... Too busy, which I don't think that's how God intended it either. I don't think that constantly being in a state of stress and anxiety and with a constant full to-do list looks like flourishing.
1: Yeah, I think you're spot on. I think that's right. I think that's well said, and and you're brilliant too to bring in like the anxiety of this phenomenon into the conversation because it's not only just to-do lists and you know people working too many hours or working too hard, but the effect that that has on our souls. Definitely creates anxiety, definitely does not allow us to flourish in the way that God intended us to. I think that's exactly right.
0: So, what you're saying is that we were created to work and we were also created to rest. And God also rested on the seventh day, too. I think that's important to note that if God was resting, then we definitely should be resting.
1: Yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah, go back to our uh, Story of the Bible series, right? And go listen to those episodes that we did on Genesis and creation. And then you can go argue with us back then about what you think about the uh, the creation week, about what you think about the length of those days. Right. But regardless, regardless of that.
0: There was rest in there somehow. <laughs> there's rest in there somehow. Come on, somebody. There is. There is. And God,
1: and that's intentional. There is rest in there. And it's intentional that God had portrayed or set the example of what this life should look like, that we should work for this six days. And we should have a day of the week that we rest, a day that we recharge, a day that we refocus um, for our soul's sake, for the sake of our own flourishing. And we're going to talk more about that throughout this episode. But that's exactly what we're saying, that work is a great thing created by God, that we we are not meant to be lazy people. Christians should not be lazy. And yet there is some level of work, there's some level of busyness that is uh, detrimental and destructive for our own souls and for our own flourishing.
0: Okay, let me ask you a question because I think that busyness is so prevalent, especially in America, especially in the United States, that many people don't even realize when they're too busy or, you know, they say they're too busy but they don't know how to get out of it. What would be like some signs or some symptoms of when we are too busy?
1: I think at some level, the point that you brought up earlier about anxiety is is huge. And and whenever we talk about anxiety, I want to be clear that in, in these types of conversations, in this conversation, we're not talking about clinical anxiety. I'm not talking about right. a, a chemical
0: situational anxi- anxiety. Yes.
1: Yeah. I'm not talking about a chemical imbalance in your brain. I'm talking about situational, relational, social anxiety. And and in that sense, I think when, when we start to feel really anxious about our work, like if we're if we're not working and, and you feel anxious, that might be a sign that, that there's something going on with your relationship with your work. Um, that, that that might not be healthy or that might not be ideal. But if you're if you're simply Burnt out. If you're simply stressed and fatigued, and it's hard for you to get out of bed on the weekends, and and you find yourself unable to fulfill your role and your call as a in your family or in your home or um, outside of your workplace, if you are just too stressed and fatigued and depressed and tired to do those things, I, th- I think those are those are some of the clear red flags.
0: Do you think that like anger could also be a sign too? Because I know that I find myself whenever I've had a stressful week, I just find myself snapping at people close to me or getting a annoyed at things that I really wouldn't be annoyed at if I was in a more (laughs) restful state of mind. Yes, absolutely. Yeah, I think I think that's that's part of that
1: burnout piece, right? Where we just get so fried. We just get so fried. We pour so much of ourselves and our soul into our work that by the time we get home, we have no patience left. We have no grace left. We have nothing left to give to, to our partners, to our families. And I think I can definitely relate with you that after a long days of work, after a long week, even it's far too easy to snap. It's far too mm-hmm. easy to be angry than it is to give grace and to be patient.
0: Yeah, I, I feel that sometimes I'm just thinking in my head, who am I? I don't even I don't even know myself. What am I doing? Yeah, or you, you
1: just get shocked. Like <laughs> yeah. I just I'm with you. I mean, I can even think of even just like this week, you know, this has been a stressful season for me. This has been a busy season at work and at home. And uh, just the other day, my wife and I are going grocery shopping. And I'm looking at her in the eyes. We're just in the aisles of Walmart. Um, yeah, we get our groceries at Walmart. All right, we're balling on the budget. Hey, you know, ease off.
0: Hey, no hate on Walmart because that's where we go too.
1: <laughs> no hate. No, we're not hating on Walmart here. <laughs> We're not quite at that Whole Foods level yet. Maybe we'll get there one day, but we're not quite there yet.
0: Well, Walmart is the stepping stone to Whole Foods.
1: (laughs) It is. It's like the basic training. Yeah, the entry level program is Walmart. And then you graduate to Whole Foods. Absolutely. (laughs) (laughs) So I'm in Walmart. I'm talking to Madeline and we're just like going over our list or whatever. I don't even know what we're talking about. And I start to back up away from her because I'm going to go grab like whatever she told me to go grab. And she reaches out, grabs my arm and pulls me like in her direction and she did this because there was this sweet old lady behind me that I was about to bump into I was about to just completely blindside with a with an NFL level block just turn around and and just throw that block for my wife but obviously I didn't see it and so she reached out and grabbed me I was just so angry in that moment I was like what are you doing like I know how to walk, woman. I know how to navigate a grocery store. I know how to move in an aisle. <laughs> you know, yeah. But obviously, obviously that is a reaction of a man who is who is too tired, <laughs> too tired, too stressed, not present in that moment, not willing to give grace. Uh, but I think that happens to all of us. I think that happens to all of us where we just get so tired and so burnt out because whether it's work or whether it's it's the stress of our modern lives. Um, it eats at us, man. It eats at us, and so that's why we're having this conversation. Because you know, it's it's one thing just to say, "Hey, you need to be less busy," but what we're trying to go even further and say is that your busyness is actually harming your soul. And your busyness is harming your relationships. And and where we're going to go here is actually your busyness is harming your relationship with God.
0: Yeah. So let's talk practically before we go a little deeper. When we see ourselves exhibiting these symptoms of maybe annoyance or anger or just feeling unmotivated to do things, what is the practical way for us to get out of that busyness?
1: Yeah, well, let's give let's give some practical advice up front before we dive deep. Before we go into the deep end of the pool and start swimming around with the big boys and girls, let's give some some practical information for those of us who feel this, right? right. Because a lot of us when when we start talking about being busy, there's going to be there's going to be a majority of us that feel it. Who mm-hmm. We're going to say, "Yep, amen, that's me." That's me. I'm too busy. What do I do about it? And so for you, here we go. We want to give you two things right up front that that we pray will be helpful. Number one, you've got to master the power of no.
0: Ooh, that's a tough one.
1: That is the toughest one (laughs) for people who are too busy and for people who are um, naturally by like personality uh, people pleasers.
0: Yeah, for disclosure, I have not mastered this power of no yet. You know what? The The invitation still
1: stands, Elizabeth. The invitation <laughs> stands to grow. And, and just like anything in life, I mean, you know, two weeks ago, we talked about the discipline of gratitude. Mm-hmm. And um, not a lot of people view gratitude as a discipline. We think it is, though. And I think in the same way, saying no can actually be a discipline. Saying no and learning to, because here's what you're doing when you're saying no. This is this is the the mindset that you need to adopt. When you say no to something, you are protecting that which God has called you to be a part of, or that which God has called you to do. Mm-hmm. So, in my own life, like God has called me to be a husband, right? Mm-hmm. And and just two days from now, Lord willing, I'm gonna God is calling me to be a dad. My wife is about to give birth to our first a child. God has also called me to work. I I have a a job that I work as a pastor. And so I have to say no to things in order to protect and safeguard my energy and my ability to fulfill the role that God has called me to.
0: I mean, when, when you think about it that way, it doesn't sound so bad to say no to some things. And I think what I keep telling myself, because I love to fill up our schedule and I love to say yes to everything. <laughs> but when you put it that way because I don't want to hurt people's feelings, you know and I, I just like it's not that I don't want to. It's just that I can't. And so I think putting it the way that you just put it helps clarify things like hey, I need to straighten out my my priorities. I am just one person. I can't do everything and I need to learn how to protect the things that are really important.
1: You do, you absolutely do. like all of us have to guard those essential things. For my warriors out there in the military, we call this priorities of work. So when you set up in a deployed environment, or when you are just training here stateside and and you're you're running missions or, or you're setting up a little uh, forward operating base or something like that, you have to immediately establish priorities of work. Okay, now that we're in this this kind of you know serious environment, what do we have to do immediately? What can wait thirty minutes? What can wait a few hours? And what can wait a day? What has to be done immediately? And what has to be done? Um, later on, uh, on a tiered kind of level. And you have to, you have to do those things that you have to do immediately. Mm-hmm. Like you have to take care of those pressing, you have to take care of those pressing tasks first, or else you're going to die <laughs> in, in, in that military environment, right? Like warrior, you know what I'm talking about? And so what if what if you adopt that mindset for life? Yeah. And you said, okay, my, if I, if I don't safeguard my marriage, I'm, I'm not going to do well, I'm not going to flourish. And so I have to be able to have enough time in my schedule. I have to be able to make time to go on dates with my wife, to spend quality time with my wife. I have to be able to be at the places that she expects me to be. And therefore I have to say no to other things. And if I don't, I'll die. And that's obviously a hyperbole, but, um, you know, I'll start cert-
0: your soul will not be flourishing.
1: It won't. Seriously, seriously. I, th- I think it's significant. And so um, I think that's the challenge and that's the invitation to view saying no as um, the means of protecting that which God has called you to do.
0: Yeah. Something something that Maria and I say to each other a lot is that we view our marriage as our first ministry. Um, if our marriage isn't right, mm-hmm. then we don't have room for anything else.
1: To your point, like. For any pastors out there listening to this, like you need to safeguard your marriage as your first ministry. So often, one of the dangers of being involved in church life is that there's always something, right? There's always some meeting. There's always some committee that wants to talk to you. There's always some event going on. There's always some opportunity to lead a Bible study. There's always something happening. And and you have to establish boundaries. You have to say no to those good things. That's when it gets tough right? Is when you're saying no to good things, but you have to be able to do that in order to protect your first ministry, which is your marriage.
0: That's, that's a great point, Connor. Um, do you have a second tip for us? Another practical tip? Yeah. One more, one more practical tip again, for the person who says, yeah, man,
1: I know I'm busy. Help me help, a br- <laughs> help a brother out. What are we doing here? And here's what you're going to do. Okay. You are going to choose to suck. What? You are going to choose <laughs> Choose to suck at certain tasks so that you can thrive at others. So so that's
0: kind of like saying maybe no to the desire to want to do everything. It is.
1: It is. It's kind of a, it it definitely falls 1A, 1B with the power of saying no. The simple point here is you can't do everything. You can't do everything and you certainly cannot give 100% of your energy and time to everything that you're doing just a quick example for my own life mm-hmm. you know currently in this season my wife again is about to give birth um so that's a lot going on at home a lot of preparation a lot of you know navigating insurance and medical bills and hospital stays and stuff like that then i have my you know my vocation where i work at, at a church as a pastor and then we're here on the warrior podcast what's up fam good to see you good to, good to be with you again um I've got seminary as well. I'm currently in school studying. And so I've got I've got a few things going on. Um, a few things, just a few. Just a few. Those are just a few of the things that we got rolling here. <laughs> but uh, but the, the, the point is, the reality though, is that I'm not going to be able to get an A plus on all of those things at, at one time. Mm-hmm. And so there's, there's going to be seasons. Like for me, this season, with everything going on at home and everything that we had like at work, this is a busy season as well. And so my studies, I have to be okay with Choosing to suck a little bit at school, like I have to be okay with, you know, working for only one hour on an essay that I, I normally would have to put three hours in, but I only have one hour. That's all I can do. Yeah. And that one hour is better than nothing. And that's a, that's a hard mindset for people to, to to get into. And so maybe that's not for you. I understand the pushback is going to be like, well, you have to work hard at everything that God has called you to do. And I agree with that. I agree with that. But just realistically like you're not going to be able to give 100% of your energy into every single thing that you have going on in life. And so there are going to be seasons that you are going to have to prioritize the things that get the most of your energy. So my wife and our coming baby is always going to get the most of my energy. Beyond that, like my job has to get the second most amount of my energy. And then beyond that, like whatever we have going on whether it's a podcast week, whether it's events, whether we have Um, Whether I have a test coming up for school or or a book review to do, like assignments, there's going to be tiers and layers to how much energy I can give to those things because I'm only one man, you know? And so I just want to create some space maybe to free you up, warrior, and hopefully relieve some stress to say, like, it's okay if you get a B on that test.
0: Yeah, sometimes doing your best looks like getting a B. Because that's all yes. the time that you
1: had. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Like like what's a better picture? Me being a as best a husband as I can, being present for my wife as we're as we're expecting our first child, and then getting a C plus on my paper, or me being a bit distant at home, not supportive with my pregnant wife that's about to burst, and then getting an A plus on my paper right? I,
0: I think Madeline would pick the first one.
1: She would clearly. She, yeah, she's voting <laughs> two hands. She's going to say it, she gets all the votes and we're going option number one, no way, ands, or buts. But I think, I think that that option also pleases the Lord more. I hope that what I'm saying makes sense. What I'm not saying is we should be slackers and be lazy and, you know, just kick our assignments to the curb. That's not what I'm saying.
0: I think it's the whole idea of prioritization. It is. What is more important? Your family or your grades? Obviously, they're both important, but family is more important. Right. So that should get more of your your time and energy.
1: Yeah, and, and just and don't put the pressure and stress on yourself in the in that environment. Like, like mm-hmm. give, show yourself grace. Realize it's yeah. okay to get a C on this this Hebrew test because you also have a life and you also have job responsibilities and you have a family. And obviously, you we should work as hard as we can, but also just show yourself some grace. And, and realize that, that we can't do everything. And that's a good thing. Because <laughs> we're not God. Yes, that is the point, that we are not God. That we as human beings are not wired nor capable of doing all that God does. And that's a good thing. That's a good thing because in our weakness we ought to be stirred to worship our God who is better than anything we can accomplish so I mean Paul talks about boasting in his weakness that's exactly what he means that when he realizes his insufficiencies
0: mm-hmm.
1: he is compelled to worship the all-sufficient one he is compelled to worship the Lord Jesus Christ who is the only one who is sufficient, the only one who is preeminent, the only one who is infinitely worthy of all praise. And so we, we definitely wanna dive deep into that. We wanna break that down a bit more, but before we do, let's just highlight some scripture that paint that picture that, that we are not God. God is God and that's a good thing for us.
0: Let's take a look in scripture and just see some examples of where people rested or they were too busy. Um, so the first one is going to be in 1 Kings 19 and I'm gonna read verses one through eight. Now Ahab told Jezebel everything Elijah had done and how he had killed all the prophets with the sword. So Jezebel sent a messenger to Elijah to say, May the gods deal with me, be it ever so severely, if by this time tomorrow I do not make your life like that of one of them. Elijah was afraid and he ran for his life. When he came to Beersheba in Judah, he left his servant there. While he himself went a day's journey into the desert, he came to a broom tree and sat down under it and prayed that he might die. I have had enough, Lord. He said, Take my life, I am no better than my ancestors. Then he lay down under the tree and fell asleep. All at once an angel touched him and said, Get up and eat. He looked around and there by his head was a cake of bread baked over hot coals and a jar of water. He ate and drank and then lay down again. The angel of the Lord came back a second time and touched him and said, Get up and eat, for the journey is too much for you. So he got up and ate and drank. Strengthened by that food, he traveled for 40 days and 40 nights until he reached Horeb, the mountain of God. There he went into a cave and spent the night.
1: That is one of my favorite passages in all of scripture, because you have our boy Elijah, and he is running from Jezebel, scared for his life, prays for the Lord to take him, prays for the Lord to kill him so that he can be with God. And then you have this glorious picture of an angel showing up an angel shows up and the angel is about to serve Elijah and you think that the angel is going to give him like the key to revival <laughs> or the key to being a strong godly man to rise up and destroy Jezebel and play the role that God has called him to play and yet what does the angel say
0: take a nap have some food he says <laughs> he says take a nap boy
1: he says take a nap lay down you're stressing you're trifling. Sit down, take a nap. And when you wake up, I'll have some fresh cakes for you. I'll have some fresh heavenly pancakes <laughs> ready for you to consume, my son.
0: But not only did he sleep one time, he he did that twice. He took a nap, he ate, he took a nap again and then he ate again.
1: It's so funny. It is literally one of my favorite passages. <laughs> <laughs> but in, in the point there is is like, honestly, warrior, sometimes you just need to take a nap. Honestly. No joke, sometimes you just need to take a nap. Sometimes you need to sleep in the extra hour. Sometimes you need to stop, take a break, have a snack, you know, balance out that blood pressure <laughs> that, and, then, and then get back to work. And, and that's a good thing because we are not God. We are not called to be the all encompassing person that holds the entire cosmos together. That's not our role. So as human beings, we're going to get tired. We're going to get cranky. And God has in his grace, allowed means like taking a nap and having snacks and having good food and good drink to recharge and be able to play the role that he's called us to play.
0: Yeah. And the interesting thing here was Elijah went from having enough. He was just done to having the energy and strength to travel for 40 days and nights because he rested. That's so good. It's so good. That's the model. And that's the invitation for all of us is to rest, to trust God to be sufficient
1: and uh, to trust him with the rest that he has called us to take.
0: I can actually speak to this a little bit in my life because I know that the weeks that I do have one chill day where I do nothing but relax I feel excited about the next week, about the next week of work. And the weeks that I don't have a day like that, I feel stressed about the next work week. I feel overwhelmed about the next work week. So I can definitely see how this passage can practically apply to our lives today.
1: Yeah, it's like the the idea of, of resting as God has called us to rest. Like when we talk about flourishing, this is what we're talking about. You know, God's not telling us to follow these commands or to rest or to just, you know, listen to him and follow him just because he is a grumpy old man who wants people to obey him. No, he is inviting us to submit and align our lives with how he has designed all things to work. And in that, we find flourishing. And so we need to understand that as human beings, we're just limited. We have limits. And when we reach those limits, we need to recharge, we need to sleep, we need to eat, and we need to trust that God is God, I am not God, and that's a good thing.
0: So I'm now going to read Luke 10, 38 through 41. As Jesus and his disciples were on their way, he came to a village where a woman named Martha opened her home to him. She had a sister called Mary who sat at the Lord's feet, listening to what he said. But Martha was distracted by all the preparations that had to be made. She came to him and asked, Lord, don't you care that my sister has left me to do the work myself? Tell her to help me. Martha, Martha, the Lord answered, You are worried and upset about many things, but only one thing is needed. Mary has chosen what is better, and it will not be taken away from her.
1: Another great passage. Another great passage. Just for some context, we have the Lord Jesus himself, while he was here on earth, dwelling in a home with Mary and Martha. And we see that one of them was working very hard and was stressed about you know, providing for Jesus and cooking for Jesus and ensuring that Jesus's cup of water was filled and ensuring that he is comfortable with his friends, and that he has everything he needs. And the other is simply sitting at the feet of Jesus, abiding with Jesus, rejoicing in the presence of Jesus. And the Lord Jesus himself declares that one of these things is good, but one of them is far better. And that's the one that we're invited into.
0: I remember as a child hearing this story in church, and I thought to myself, I would never be Martha. Yeah. And then fast forward about, I don't know, 10 years, maybe 15 years, I somehow had turned into Martha. And I, I had spent um, a good portion of my life working multiple jobs, going to school, just filling up my plate as fast as I could, And I always wondered why I never had that relationship with Jesus like I wanted. You know, I always was like, I want to be one of those people who hears God all the time. And I want to be one of those people who reads the Bible without stopping. And I want to be one of those people who doesn't get bored while they're praying. But I never took the time to build that relationship. And it was only until I was forced to stop everything when I moved to Brazil, um, because when I got married and I moved to Brazil, I I talk about this a lot, but it was really a life-changing experience for me. It was so good for me. Um, Everything was taken away from me. And I just, I felt like I had nothing. Like what, I was like, what, what, who am I? I like, I had an identity crisis. I was like, who am I without work? Who am I without school? Who am I without waking up at 7 a.m. in the morning and coming home at 11 at night? I, I don't know. I don't know who I am. And it was so good for me because I finally had time to just sit there and read the Bible because there was nothing else going on. Literally nothing else going on. My husband was at work and I was alone for a lot of the time. And that was when I finally realized that my identity is in Christ. And I finally found that closeness with him that I had been wanting. I just never took the time to stop and be still. So I was Martha.
1: (laughs) Yeah. Wow. That's so good. I love the way that you framed that. And I appreciate you sharing your story because I think that's powerful for people to hear because that perfectly highlights this story that we see in scripture and and you've lived it. And that's the invitation from God is to realize that life abundant, that identity, that joy is really found only in him.
0: So digging a little bit deeper, what I see in our culture, especially, is that we have not prioritized rest. And therefore, it's so hard when we realize that we need to rest to find it because it seems that everything is geared towards go, 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 go. And if you decide to not go, 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 go and rest, then you're kind of the weird one. So culture doesn't make it easy. Where does it come from?
1: What's the root? I think the root of this issue, and specifically, you know, we're talking for Christians here. We're talking for people who know and love Jesus. Why can't we slow down? why is this so hard for us or for you or how about this maybe if you are listening to this podcast and you're like this is a boring episode i'm not too busy i'm not too busy what are these people talking about i, I don't work hard enough like i'm not i'm not too busy i would i would venture to say that you are too busy and and these are what follows these two reasons are are why you don't realize it number 1 and of course, this is true also for those of us who, are, who know that we're busy, who are feeling the conviction of the Spirit in this moment. And number one is pride.
0: Hmm.
1: Pride. At, at a practical level, and we've hinted at this, at a practical level, you believe in your own God, and it's you. Hmm. You are the God of your life. You need to do everything because no one else can do it the way that you can. You need to do it because no one else can do it Right. You need to do all things because if you don't do all the things, they won't get done. You are self-sufficient and you are all sufficient in your sphere, whether that's your home or your work or your office. You are the one that has to get things done because no one else does them right. And, and if that's you, you are believing the lie hmm. of pride. Yeah. Wow. Sucks.
0: I feel like you're speaking to myself right now. Um,
1: (laughs) It's hard. We've all got this. We've all got this. You know, at at some level, we all struggle with this. We all struggle with pride because we live in a broken world. And so this is not a guilt trip. But what this is, is an invitation to reorient your heart and mind and soul around the way of Jesus. Um, But I think that we need to wrestle with these things. And so that's the first one that you need to wrestle with is pride. Are you believing the lie that you need to do everything? No one else can do it right. You are self-sufficient. If you don't do all the things, they won't get done. You are practically your own God. Are you believing that lie? And if so you need to repent. You need to repent. You need to find life in Christ.
0: Just to add on to that too, just realizing that we're not alone either. I think that kind of ties into it. If we're believing the lie that if we don't do it, it won't get done, then we're also not believing that we're not alone and we're not a part of the body of Christ.
1: Yes. That, that's definitely part of the solution to this kind of source, this source level, root level problem of pride. Is is you need to find community. You need to remember that God is God. And again, we'll talk about that in more in a second. But let's let's provide the other zinger here. The other uh, the other point of conviction that I think we all need to wrestle with. The other kind of source level root issue as to why we are too busy, why we won't slow down, is because your work is your worth. Ooh. Your work is your worth. Your sense of worth comes from your work. Your sense of worth comes from being busy. Now, this is a big one for warriors. So when I, when, when I give you the phrase, I am a blank, how do you normally fill in that blank? What do you immediately think of? Do you immediately think, I am a police officer? I am a special agent. I am a firefighter. I am a infantryman your occupation is not your identity. And so if you're immediately filling in that blank with something that you externally do, rather than who you are as a human being, um, this is a problem for you. That's that's a problem. That reveals that at some level, you are finding your worth in in what you do. You're finding your worth in your work.
0: What came to my head whenever you were saying that was, it's almost like it should be the other way around. I think if we belong to the body of Christ, then it's almost like whatever occup well it is like whatever occupation we're in is kind of like our cover. Like we're undercover. You know, we're really trying to love God and spread his love to as many people as we can. But our cover is, you know, cop, firefighter, infantryman, special agent. That's our cover. But the real mission is to bring people to Christ and to love and serve God.
1: Yeah, that's so good. That's so good. I, I think that's spot on. And I love I love the, the secret agent kind of thing to it. <laughs> and I'll go, I'll go even one step further though, Elizabeth. Yeah. I think you, I think you've brought up another great point that for pastors out there, doing the work of God is not your identity, right? Your identity is simply being his child, yeah. period. Simply being his beloved, period. Simply being his image bearer, period. And of course there are Countless invitations from scripture to join God in his grand redemptive mission to make all things right in the world. And those are good things. And everything you said was correct. But I just want to I wanna point that point out that maybe one step further. Like often for Christians, we can even confuse um working for God as our worth.
0: Yeah. That's working true. at the
1: church with our worth. When when the invitation from the triune God who has eternally existed as one God in three persons with abundant love for all of time, our God created out of that abundant love, created you. And therefore, our God, our triune God loves you. You are the child of uh, of the triune God, and, and therein lies your identity. The invitation for you is to simply abide, to abide in his love. And if you can do that, if you can accept that invitation, you don't have to prove yourself to anybody. I think that's that's such a motivating factor for warriors is to try to prove themselves to other people mm-hmm. because that's kind of how the military is set up. You have to prove yourself in order to rank up, in order to be promoted, in order to gain power and position and authority. And yet when we confuse that system with our souls, with the way that our soul is wired, that is so destructive. It is so destructive.
0: And, and I think it will, I believe that it will always ultimately lead to feelings of failure or not being good enough.
1: It will always. Your any Any external identity will always let you down. If you view who you are as something that is outside of you and something that is temporal, something that is like that will one day not exist, it will always let you down. Always. The only safe place for you to find your identity is in the triune God. And that's why we want to harp on that so much because for both of these, whether you struggle with pride, believing that you are your own God practically, or whether you struggle with believing that your sense of worth comes from your work. The invitation from Jesus is to repent of those things and also to find life abundant in him. To find the path to flourishing in the way of Jesus, by aligning your life with the way that he has invited us to, the way that he calls us to. And so in this, in the presence of Jesus and in the presence of our triune God, there's joy. There's joy to be found because that's how God has ordained your life to work.
0: So Sabbath and rest. When we're too busy, is it the first step to coming back to realizing our true identity in Christ?
1: I think it is. I really do. I would say affirmatively, yes. This idea of Sabbath.
0: Yeah. What is a Sabbath?
1: (laughs) We'll define it right now. Good question. (laughs) (laughs) Sabbath is a a part of the Ten Commandments. Sabbath is a command given to the Israelites in the Old Testament, in which they were commanded to rest for one day out of the work week, a 24-hour time period that was meant to be filled with restful worship by which the Israelites were meant to cultivate a restful spirit in their lives. Now, we can debate whether or not that's a command for us today, but I don't think that matters. I I think the principle of the Sabbath is clearly beneficial for human flourishing. And I think that the system of Sabbath is one that has been ordained by God intentionally and one that Christians would be wise to follow. So I actually think that Sabbath is the answer. I mean, listen you know that Jesus is the answer, okay? Jesus is the answer to your issues with pride. Jesus is the answer to your issues with identity and finding worth in your work. Also, the means by which Jesus might just cure you or might just help you in those things is Sabbath.
0: I mean, it's definitely a way to get rid of all the the distractions. It is. It's a way.
1: Sabbath is meant to orient your heart around this sentence. You are not God. I am not God. I am not God. Yeah, I am not God. That's such a freeing thing to realize that we have limits, that I need rest. Um, Just as we've talked about this whole episode, that we need rest. We need to be able to recharge so that we can delight in Christ, so that we can um, fulfill all that he has called us to.
0: When we're resting, what are some practical things that we should be doing in order to you know, actually rest and not just pretend like we're resting, but really have our mind focused on a million different things?
1: Yeah. So that is a great question because that is all too often what we do. Right. And so this is going to look different for all, for all kinds of people. This is going to look different for everybody, but here are maybe just a few practical kind of big picture things that we should do again through the lens that Sabbath ought to be, I think should be a kind of a 24 hour time period of restful worship, by which we cultivate a restful spirit in our lives. And so the those word Sabbath, in Hebrew, the word is Shabbat. And what's kind of interesting, the, the reason why I bring that up, what's interesting about that word Shabbat is that it can have um, four different main interpretations or four different main translations, four different kind of aspects of what this word is saying. And so those four aspects are this. Number one, stop. Number two, rest. Number three, delight. And number four, worship. And so think about those things. This is is what your Sabbath should look like. This is how you cure your pride. This is how you cure your issues of finding worth in your work, is that you stop. You cease from all working, all thinking about working, all worrying, and all wanting. You need to fully stop. Then number two, you need to rest, right? You need to rest your soul, meaning your whole person, who you are. So as we talked about, maybe that's taking a nap. Maybe that's getting an extra hour of sleep. Maybe that's, for you, that needs to be more mental and emotional rest, right, where you need to relax, you need to slow down. Maybe it's more spiritual rest, where you need to cease striving and trying to earn God's approval, where you need to simply rest in his love. On that note of rest, like for me, I think sometimes my go-to for rest that I think is restful is not actually restful. My go-to is Netflix, right? I know, I know, I know. I'm not alone there, right? I when I just need to, <laughs> when I just need to rest, when I need a mental and emotional recharge, I just fire up the Office, yep. and I'm just plugged in, watching, watching the Office, and zoning out. And so, I, I would challenge you to be mindful with yourself. There are times that I can spend some, just an, like watch one movie or watch one show, and um, and feel rested and feel a little bit recharged but there are also times where i am just so drawn in to like a show or something i'm so anxious about trying to binge it trying to get it done <laughs> or um, or i just waste so much time not thinking about anything at all doing that and and by the time i'm done i feel more anxious and i feel less rested than i was at the beginning yeah, um, it's,
0: it's kind of like they say everything in moderation <laughs>
1: It is. Yeah, I think that's fair. I think that's fair. And I think I think the call is to find find things that are restful for you. They say maybe this is helpful for you warrior. They say that people who work with their hands will need to rest with something with their mind. By doing something with their mind. Or those who who work with their mind hmm. will have to rest by doing something with their hands. Um,
0: that's very interesting. I never heard that before. I
1: don't know how true it is, but (laughs) I'm going to, I'm going to try it out this week. I think it's, it's helpful for me. It's really helpful for Mm -hmm. me because I think I work primarily with my mind and, and reading and writing and, you know, preparing sermons, giving sermons, things, things of that nature. That's kind of my main, my main, main aspect of what I do. And, uh, and for me, when I do things physical, so going for a walk or playing a sport or, um, exercising, doing these things, that is really restful for me. So, yeah, but it depends on, on who you are, how you're wired and what that what that
0: looks like. So what about the last two steps, delight and worship?
1: Yes. Yeah, so delight. What that is, is is you need to literally pamper, pamper your soul. Hashtag treat yourself. <laughs> it's like a spa for your soul. Literally. <laughs> a, that is the Sabbath, a spa for your soul. Come on, somebody. Somebody put that on a coffee mug in a T-shirt and we'll we be selling
0: T-shirts online. <laughs> no,
1: Sabbath, the spa for your soul. I love that. Um, you need to do that. You need to literally do that. Do things that spark joy and wonder and gratitude and happiness in your soul. So whatever that is, whether that's eating good food, going for a walk, spending time with family and friends, listening to music, playing a sport, playing games, being with your family, being with your spouse, just having fun. Like, well, what what does it look like to delight in the good things that God has given you in the common grace that God has um, allowed you to experience? Just enjoy them, delight in them. And, uh, and stir that delight for God who is the giver of all things. And then um, lastly, worship. I think that is one of the most important things is this, is that we throughout Sabbath, throughout Shabbat, that we carry this posture of worship, that we carry an attitude of worship, of praising God for allowing us to rest, for praising God for the fact that he is God and we are not praising God that he is sufficient. He is self-sufficient and we are not. So as we do this, we, we cultivate a grateful heart of praise and adoration towards God. And we surrender our life to him one week at a time, one day at a time, one moment at a time, as we seek to reflect on how good God is and how much we need him in our lives.
0: Thank you for listening to us. If you want to trust in Christ, or if you want to learn more about making Him the authority over your life, or if you want to learn more about us, send us a message on our Instagram at WGMHQ. That's WGMHQ. We will make sure that someone gets in touch with you. This has been Warrior Podcast with Connor Shanahan. Warrior God Ministry's mission is to change the world by making disciples among military members and first responders and equipping them to be disciple-makers and missionaries in their respective communities for the glory of Jesus Christ.